This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Well, I'll tell you what, we're already off to a great morning, aren't we? By the way, when we think of the importance of ministry to kids, there's a table out in the worship area for a night to remember. It's Royal Family Kids Camp, and a night to remember uh, is the, the, the big uh, fundraising event that raises the funds for the ministry for that camp for kids that are in the foster care system here in the Anchorage area. You want to find out more about a night to remember? Uh, it's coming up in a little less than two weeks now. Or you want to find out more how you can be involved uh, in ministry that's life-changing and life-transforming in the lives of those kids. Uh, see Chris. Chris, raise your hand. Chris, stand up. She's in purple, okay. Because you'll get purple royal as a color, royalty, purple, royal family kids camp. Make sure you go see Chris uh, after service out in in the welcome area. So we're in our third week uh, in our study, Bearing Fruit in Prayer. And if you open up your worship guide, you'll see inside an insert. And each week we're placing an insert that corresponds to the message and to the particular fruit of the Spirit that we're looking at for that week. Now, this insert is designed for you to do exactly what the sermon or the uh, sermon series says, bearing fruit in prayer. Bearing fruit in prayer. And so, take this home. You can use this as an individual, or you can use this as a part of a family devotional, or if you happen to be in a home group, Pastor Tyler tells me that there are home groups that uh, are using this as a part of their home group meetings. But this is a way of, of taking in a very practical way uh, what we are learning about on Sunday morning and then applying that in your life during the week. So don't miss out on this opportunity and how important it is that we do bear fruit in prayer. And we think of fruit, of course, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Let's, let's look at that again as a reminder. Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 5, 22, uh, and following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Let's say that together. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then he goes on in verse 25 to say this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so he's calling you and I, as he called those Galatian followers of Jesus, that listen, we have life in the Spirit. And God is calling us to keep in step with or to walk with the Spirit. Now, we think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. We think of that, we quickly realize that it is impossible to manifest that fruit in our lives, in our own strength. 
In other words, we can try, uh, we can really work at it in our own strength, but we're going to fall short. And you might recall last week as we discussed the fruit of the Spirit, we looked at a passage in Ephesians chapter 1 where, where Paul basically says that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee, a seal, a down payment, if you will, that not only do we belong to God, that we're His, but that we will receive all that He promises to those who place their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? And that it is the ongoing work of the Spirit in our life that conforms us more and more and more to the nature of our Savior Christ Jesus. So that, literally, as the Spirit works in, the, in our lives over our lifetime, we begin to exhibit more and more and more of the virtues, of the characteristics of Jesus. So that we not only look like Him in the sense in how we live, how we respond to the world that we live in, but that as we do that, people see Christ in us and see Christ living through us. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit is the one uh, that allows us to manifest the fruit. And it is when we come to a place in our lives where we say, you know what, that's a tall order. Can't do that in my own strength, Lord. But it, it, it's you that can do that. And it's literally bearing fruit in prayer as we pray to God to say, Lord, release the fruit of the Spirit in my life. That I want to live in submission to the Spirit of God. And, and I want the Spirit of God fully manifested in me and through me. Okay? That's really important that we understand. That we, we can't do it on our own. That we want to live a Spirit-filled life in which the Spirit has full reign in us and through us. Okay? It's really important. Now, even though uh, we understand what the fruit of the Spirit is, and today we're looking at uh, peace, love, joy, peace. It seems like we, we live in a world in which um, there are lots of influences and things that cause us to have fear. Okay? And uh, I, I want to show you a cartoon that came in uh, a paper in the fall. And what it does, it, com it, it compares childhood fears with adult fears, okay? And so it says, here it is, a childhood fear, doctors. Adult fear, Dr. Bills, okay? Dr. Bills. Can I go on a tangent, Lori? Will you let me do that this morning? A little bunny trail? Well, you can stop me, I know, right? So when we talk about the peace of God, we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and how there are things in the world that, that kind of can shake us, that can cause us to react rather than live into that peace that 
that the Holy Spirit has for us in our life. One of those things for me um, is Dr. Bill's, okay? And uh, we received in the mail uh, this last week a form for our, our health insurance. And it wanted to know if we had supplemental health insurance. So in other words, do you have any other insurance than this insurance that should be charged before you charge us? And it's just yes or no. And if it's no, you just answer no and you send it back. So it was sent on March 2nd, okay? We received uh, a bill in the mail or an explanation of benefits from the health insurance company on March 6th, okay? And it said, we're not going to pay this claim because you haven't responded to our inquiry as to whether or not you have secondary insurance. And I said, now wait a minute. This was sent on March 2nd. Okay, one day, two day, three days, maybe in the mail. Right? March 4th. And here they're generating this explanation of benefits on March 6th saying, we're not going to pay because you haven't responded. Now isn't that just like health insurance companies? They don't even give you time to respond. Okay? Now, the reason I give you that's a very practical application of what we're going to talk about this morning, right? I mean, when you talk about peace or the peace of God in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, there I was. I'm a what? Right? And man, I went off. I'm like, I can't believe this. Give me that phone. I'm going to talk to somebody. I just want to, right? And Lori's just going to say, yeah, 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 relax. It happens all the time, honey. Don't worry about it. Right? Save your energy for something that really matters. Okay? And I was just all worked up about it. Can any of you relate to that? Man! And if you work for a health insurance company, I'm sure you're really good and you work for a good one. Okay? But this is a kind of experience, right, that just riles you up. And it just shakes you up. And uh, so this message is really relevant to where I live and the things that impact me. So there you go. Childhood fears, doctors. Adult fears, Dr. Bills. Let's go to the next one. Childhood fear, bad dreams. Adult fear, unfulfilled dreams. Okay? And then the next one. Childhood fear, strangers. Adult fear, crippling social anxiety. Okay? And then finally... Childhood fear, clowns. Adult fear, clowns. All right. But, but what the, the cartoon is, is really meant to represent is that we all struggle with fear or uncertainty or doubt or conflicts in our lives. Things, again, that really threaten um, that peace. That, that God says is ours. Uh, Jesus, in John uh, fourteen twenty seven said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And of course, in the context of, of John chapter 14, and in particular, where this verse appears, uh, it's, it's presented right in the middle of Jesus' farewell discourse, if you will, or he's really preparing his disciples for, 
for his death on the cross. And ultimately, of course, he, he is going to rise from the grave, but then he's going to ascend to heaven. And he's, he's really promising them that, listen, there are things that are going to be happening, but you don't have to be afraid because you're going to be taken care of. And in particular, in this context, he is, is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So in other words, what he's saying is there, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to be going on. And, and you may not understand them now, and you may not even understand them once they start happening. But remember this. Uh, peace I give you. Peace I leave you. And of course, he promised the Holy Spirit. And there's the link here to our Galatians 5 passage where the Holy Spirit comes and indwells our lives and we experience the fruit of the Spirit. And today, of course, we're looking at peace. Then later on in John 16, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so there are a lot of things that we can do in life to try to create peaceful situation and and peaceful circumstances. We can try to, to build our life and we can be financially secure. We can make sure that our relationships are, are going well. Things are okay at work. You know, we really want our kids to do well. And, and it seems like when all those things are going the way they should, they're humming along, you know, we're, we're at peace. But what happens when our life gets shaken? What happens when things don't go well financially or there is uh, relationship issues or issues at work or what happens if there are health issues or tragedy comes into our life what happens to the peace you see and what Jesus is saying is not only do I want to give you a peace that's different than what you find in the world but I've overcome the world and ultimately you can put your trust in me. But there's a peace I want to give you that's unshakable. That is as certain and as sure as I am. And that you don't have to look to things in the world to be the source of your peace. Because ultimately those things are either going to fail you or you're going to lose those things. Those things are very temporal, including our own lives. Okay? But I want to give you a peace that's everlasting. I want to give you a peace that's eternal. I want you to have my peace. And my peace is going to come to you because I'm going to pour out my life in you through the Holy Spirit. Live into that peace. And of course, we think about Jesus asleep in the the front of the boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes. And what happens? His disciples, who are experienced fishermen, they're in the midst of the storm. And they run forward to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you know what's going on? Don't don't, don't you even care? We're all going to die, right? And of course, Jesus is kind of like, huh? And of course, he reminds them 
that there's no reason to fear because he's with them. And of course, he speaks to the wind and to the waves, right? And he says, peace, be still. And Jesus is present in the midst of the storm. And the reminder to you and I is this, no matter what the storm is like in our lives, no matter what the storm is like in your life this morning, if Jesus is in your boat, it's not going to sink. Okay? It's not going to sink. That He remains in us and with us. We can trust Him. We can count on Him. Yes, there are going to be storms. I like what theologian Donald Miller says. He says, as long as Christians, as long as a Christian is in the world, he or she will be pressed as by a great mob. He or she will be crushed in spirit as though a great crushing weight were lying on his or her chest. He or she will know spiritual anguish like the, that of a mother in labor. But in spite of all of this, Jesus has told us, when he speaks, therefore, of peace, it is not of the peace of unruffled or tranquil days, but a peace that speaks of the inner confidence of a warrior who is weary, thirsty, outnumbered, and wounded, but who fights bravely on, confident of the outcome, assured of victory. We are not saved from trouble. We are saved in the midst of trouble. Okay? And what a, what a great reminder that is. And so when we think of peace, there are three aspects um, that, that come to mind for me. The first is peace with God. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. You know that word justified is a legal term. And it literally means declared not guilty. Now, we know that we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, that we can't boast. So that literally, we can stand before God as the righteous judge. And he looks at us as justified. We are declared not guilty okay, of our sin. We have peace with God because sin creates hostility with God. Sinful man, if you will, was at enmity with God. But Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. And it is through the shed blood of Christ on the cross that we are cleansed from our sin and that uh, He gives us His righteousness so that we can stand before God in the righteousness of Christ declared not guilty because we've been justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled to God through Christ. And because of that, you and I can live our lives knowing that we are secure with God. That we will receive the promise of our inheritance. 
And that He's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee of that. He has marked you as His own. He says, you belong to Me. Okay? Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He has laid down His life for you and me. And as a result of that, no one, nothing can snatch us from His hand. We have peace with God. We can't accomplish that on our own. It's through the completed work of Christ on the cross. We have died with Him to sin, and we've been raised with Him in newness of life. That we literally share in the resurrection life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Isn't that good news? And so when you think of peace, we think of having peace with God. But then we have the peace of God. The peace of God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what I like to think of the peace of God, that's, that's that inner peace. Uh, that's the peace that is the fruit of the Spirit that is present in my life, so that when those insurance explanations of benefits come, I don't have to come unraveled. Okay? And he gives us that peace. And it's interesting, in the context of this verse, he's writing to the Philippians, and they're going through a very difficult time. In fact, the, the challenges they're facing is threatening their faith. It's threatening to unravel their faith, and it's getting at the heart and the core of their peace. And he's saying, wait a minute. Be anxious in nothing. And that word, anxious there, really is referring to worry. Okay? And, and you know the weight of worry in our lives, don't you? And you know how worry can just suck the peace or threaten to suck the peace right out of our hearts and our lives. And so what Paul is saying here is there's an antidote to this. You don't have to be weighed down by worry. Instead, let me share with you something. And, and if you want to worry less, what Paul is saying is pray more. Take the things and the energy that you focus in worry and commit that to prayer. And, and, and suddenly your focus is off the thing that you're worrying about and it's on the one who is greater than your worry is able to do something about the thing you're worrying about. And so prayer is a response to worry. In fact, what Paul is saying here is, it's the antidote. And I love this, this section. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. You know what that's a picture of? That word will guard your hearts and minds? It's literally of a, like a Roman soldier or a sentry, a guard, who's at the gate of your heart, who's guarding your heart, who's guarding your mind, and says, you know what? Worry, you can't enter here. Only peace can reside. And that's the word picture that he's painting here in this verse. That like a, 
a heavenly sentry, a guard. And he'll guard our hearts and our minds. It's a powerful promise. Philip Yancey says this, If prayers stand as the place where God and human beings meet, then I must learn about prayer. Most of my struggles in the Christian life circle around the same two themes. Why doesn't God act the way we want God to? And why don't I act the way God wants me to? Prayer is a precise point where those two themes converge. Okay? And that's what Paul's alluding to here. And so we have peace with God. We have the peace of God. And finally, because we have peace with God, and because we have the peace of God, we can have peace with one another. And just as love is a hallmark, is an identifying trait of a follower of Jesus and Christian community, so is peace. Look at this verse in Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. And it is that peace that unifies us. That means that we don't always get to agree with one another. Of course, you know that, don't you? But we do get to love and be at peace with one another. And that is the fruit of the Spirit that is active, not only in our lives individually, but as a community. In fact, all the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about really are evidence that our lives have been transformed and we are a people, a community of people whose lives have been transformed and we're living into the very, very best of what that means. Okay? But we can't do it in our own strength. We, we can't do it in our own power. As the worship team comes up, I just want to close with a story. As I was kind of wrestling with this passage this week and being reminded of its application in my own life and how sometimes I try to muscle the fruit of the Spirit into my life. I try to manufacture. I, I try to make it work. Not as a result of submission to the Spirit, but in the force of my own will. And I fall miserably short. I'm reminded in this case of peace of how... Um, the peace that I need, the peace that I want, the peace that I seek has to come from the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's life in me. I remember as a child when uh, things were difficult in my home life, I'd walk home from elementary school and there was a, a church and I would just, rather than go home, I'd go to the church. And I would sit in the pew in that church and I'd see the cross and I'd see Jesus and and I can't tell you the peace that would come over me. And I learned at an early age that God was a shelter. He was my refuge. He was my source of peace. And it, it seemed like it didn't matter what else was going on at home or with my parents or any of those things. Then in that moment, 
there was, there was a peace that just came over me. And I, I loved to go there because that was my safe space, if you will. And as I was doing the sermon this week and thinking about it, I go, what happened to that little guy? The guy could just sit in the presence of the Lord and there would be peace. And it just seemed like I could let go of my worries and my anxiety and the things that were fearful to me. And I began to realize that as I got older, I learned to become more self-sufficient. I, I earned more degrees and um, became more competent in life and things. I acquired more stuff. And, and, and what I really realized is all that stuff and all that, that self-sufficiency has gotten in the way. Because those are the things I, 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 I look to or I try to use to bring the peace that only God can bring into my life. And I want to be more like that little guy that went to the church and sat there and, and encountered the peace of God in, a, in a, just a, a transforming way. But I also recognize that, that my ability to do that is directly related to my willingness to let go of all these artificial sources of peace that I've accumulated, whether they're internal or external, that are really uh, artificial. They're substitutes for the Holy Spirit, but they're not the Holy Spirit. I need the fullness of the life of the Spirit in my life. And I need it in this area when it comes to peace. And this week I've committed to the Lord. I, I'm, Lord, I'm going to be that little guy again. I want to be him again. I don't think I've ever been closer to you than then. But the good news is I can be today, and so can you. Okay. So whatever it is that is that barrier, whatever it is that is that constant anxiety, that worry, that, that explanation of benefits in your life that's just pushing you over the edge, Today, I invite you to release that. And to be like a child. To let go of your self-sufficiency. To stop trying to manufacture what only God can do in your life. May our prayer be, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. In Jesus' name.